You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The more information that comes out about the Mario Edwards Jr. situation, the worse the Chicago Bears look. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Locked On Bears is brought to you by Pepsi. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch in this strange 2020 season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. On the show today, it is Crossover Thursday. That means we'll be joined by the host of Locked On Vikings, Luke Braun, to break down everything we need to know for Sunday's matchup. We'll look at the resurgence of the Minnesota Vikings offense and where they've been able to have success as of late. We'll look at where this Vikings defense is improving and where they seem to be declining and ultimately how we feel these two teams will match up for the key divisional rematch. But unfortunately, we need to start with a much more serious topic. Everything about the Mario Edwards Jr. situation looks bad, and it doesn't feel like the Bears have handled it the best way they possibly could, and it remains to be seen how this is all going to play out, but the public relations battle is certainly a losing one for Matt Nagy and company. It wasn't until this week that we found out that the rotational defensive lineman was arrested back on October 17th. We've gone a full two months from the time that this arrest happened in Charlotte, North Carolina. The night before the Chicago Bears played the Carolina Panthers, Edwards was arrested on a charge of misdemeanor assault on a female, which is, of course, under the umbrella of domestic violence for an incident at the Bears team hotel where police were initially called for the report of a woman hitting a man and, and scratching him on the forehead. And the police reports show that both Edwards and the other victim were determined to have these bruises and scratches. But the back and forth of sort of the he said, she said in this scenario, the woman in question who court documents show was in a relationship with Mario Edwards, she accused Edwards of hitting her in the eye and dragging her out of his hotel room after she began recording him during an argument. She also claimed to be pregnant at the time of the attack and did require some treatment in the hospital. Mario Edwards' agent has come out and said that, of course, Mario Edwards does not condone domestic violence. And the quote was, at no time did Mario Edwards do anything that raised to the level of domestic violence or any violence. Of course, in this country, you are innocent until proven guilty, and all of these allegations against Mario Edwards are just allegations, but it did raise to the level of police filing charges, and I think what's most interesting to me in this situation, beyond all of the ramifications that affect the Bears that we'll get into, is that the victim claimed to be recording some of this, and so there should be 
video evidence, not only in that recording, but also potentially in the hallways of the hotel of what exactly happened in that incident. There should be clear enough evidence to be more than just he says one thing, she says something else. But I don't want to go through the legal ramifications and litigation of this, although they're very serious and concerning allegations completely. And the Bears, of course, yesterday put out a statement saying, you know, they are aware of the incident and are investigating and, you know, doing their due diligence and they're taking it very seriously. But this all comes out two months after it happened. If the Bears want to truly take these allegations seriously and take a stand against domestic violence, why not say that two months ago when it happened? I realized nobody knew that it happened, but don't you think it would look better on the organization to get out in front and say, this incident happened last night or over the weekend and we are aware of investigating it, rather than seemingly, I don't know if they were intentionally hiding it or intentionally covering it up, but they certainly were enjoying not having to address it or deal with it publicly in any way, shape, or form over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months. It's been two months. They could have come out right away and said, we had this incident happened and we we're on top of it and we take it seriously and we do not condone domestic violence in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not even saying that Mario Edwards did or didn't do that. I mean, we, we need to have it be fully investigated, and I certainly understand that, but the Bears have a certain obligation to take those things seriously and react to them and uphold standards within their locker room. Because the other part of this is that Mario Edwards was in violation of team rules by having this guest in his hotel room, especially at a road game when they're trying to limit exposure to COVID-19, outside people sort of entering the Bears bubble. Matt Nagy continues to decline to comment in any way, shape, or form on what sort of team punishment there was and how they're handling that internally within the organization. But Mario Edwards didn't miss any Bears games. And his snaps have gone up since then. He was playing about, you know, 15 a game or so. And then uh, after the bye week, he's played, you know, week 10 was 28 snaps, week 12 was 24, and 20 the last few weeks. He's played at a very high level. His performance on the field has justified more snaps. But this whole situation off the field where we don't know what the Bears have done, how they've handled this internally. He continues to practice. He hasn't had any visible suspension or anything like that. I know they want to wait for it to play out legally, and I understand that, but it seems like the Bears was awfully convenient for them to let this remain hidden for the past two months rather than getting out in front of it and really sort of taking a stand here, not even necessarily punishing Mario Edwards and chastising him before he's been proven guilty, but at least trying to do the responsible thing and be transparent and clear about what is and is not expected of their players and how they will handle those situations when they arise. So until anything else happens in the legal department, in in the following through of the prosecution of the case and etc., until there's further progress there, Mario Edwards will keep suiting up, keep practicing, and keep playing for the Bears against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. And it does seem like a matchup where he and the rest of the Bears' pass rush should be able to have some success against Kirk Cousins and company. Up next, we will be joined by the host of Locked On Vikings, Luke Braun, to help us break down this Bears-Viking matchup and where the Bears can find some advantages to strike and where the Bears' weaknesses are that Minnesota is definitely going to go after. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. When I start to feel a little bit of that lull in the afternoon when you've been 
working through a whole day and kind of need something to help pick you up and break through that wall, I always turn to Built Go. Built Go is the best energy gel on the market. Think of it as the healthy replacement for your energy drink, like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, loaded up with natural ingredients so it's better for the body. We've got beta-alanine, vitamin B3, honey, and just a kick of caffeine to get you going. I've had all three flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. You can't go wrong with any of them, and I highly recommend you add it to a protein shake after a workout. You get those extra 17 grams of collagen protein that go right into your system, easy, fast, delicious. You can't go wrong. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Real quick before we bring on Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings, there's a pretty big shakeup with the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday, having Stan Bowman named president of hockey operations, Jamie Faulkner hired as president of business operations, and a, a nice shakeup in that front office. There's a lot to break down, so be sure to check out today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Jack Bushman does a great job of breaking down everything you need to know about that team, just like we do right here on Lockdown Bears. And for all you White Sox fans out there, they just had Sean Evans from the show, the YouTube channel and the show Hot Ones, where they eat the hot wings. He was a guest on Lockdown White Sox because he is a White Sox fan. So they kind of talked about what that's like and other famous Sox fans they might want to get on Hot Ones and you get to watch them eat the wings, maybe even some White Sox players as well. So great conversation over at Locked On White Sox. A little bit more lighthearted in that regard. And of course, Locked On Blackhawks has all your big Chicago hockey news with the shakeup in the front office. All right, welcome in everybody to this week's crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, I'm Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings here with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears. Always a good time talking to you, Lauren. Let's start with uh, the quarterback situation. We're going to see a different guy than we saw last time. Obviously, Nick Foles uh, still unavailable. And now you have Mitchell Trubisky, who's coming off a pretty good game. Yeah, and to be fair, technically Nick Foles is available. They have just chosen oh, to go completely forward with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, the injury necessitated the change initially, uh, but Foles was ready to go, I think, two weeks ago against Detroit. He practiced and was active for the game as the backup, and now he is considered as 100% healthy as you can be 14 weeks into an NFL season. But, yeah, it is, it is the Mitch gotcha. Trubisky experience, and... We're sort of back to the same Mitch Trubisky discussion as before, right? So, like, six six weeks of a losing streak kind of lowered the bar in terms of quarterback mm. expectations. So, like, the Bears just wanted somebody to consistently complete passes. And now the offensive line is playing better. The running game is playing better. Receivers are making more plays. And now, okay, they got some accurate quarterback play and a lot of great plays after the catch. And now we're back to where we were with Mitch, like, entering the season. It's okay. There are some limitations here, and how consistently can he play well against a really good defense? And so, like, to some extent, like, the bar and the goalposts moved, and now they're just back to where they were originally of, like, you know, against the Texans, 
75% of Mitch's yards came after the catch. And his average depth of nice. target was 4.4 yards past the line of scrimmage. So, like, it, it was the second lowest. <laughs> it was quick, short, dump-off, roll-out. And it, credit to Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor, who's calling the plays, the offensive coordinator. They found the right way to make it work with Mitch. The real question kind of moving forward is, will that work when it's not the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans? And will the Vikings defense be enough of a test to let us know if it will work against a better defense. Yeah, I, the Vikings defense is like suddenly very interesting. They, they've got one of their corners is starting to ball out, Cameron Dantzler. Uh, you know, they've gotten like a lot. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but it's going to be a, a much more interesting matchup to see if they can't rally and tackle on some of those shorter passes. But there, there's a bit of a movement, I understand, to uh, to get a, a few more years of, of Mitchell Trubisky, which I personally am in favor of. And I don't need to tell you the reasons for. Yeah. You know, we always end up so chummy <laughs> on these podcasts. And part of the problem, I think, is that we agree so much. But I mean. I totally understand why you... I know, we have to, like, fight. Yeah, we gotta... And we gotta figure out some ways to be a little bit more... The problem is, we have to save our anger for the Green Bay Packers and Peter Bukowski, because we can sort of... Well, and our own teams. Yeah. We, <laughs> we can collect... <laughs> I, I reamed them on the show against yesterday. Against them, absolutely. But no, there's definitely... There's there's always been a split in Chicago between Matt Nagy and, and Mitch Trubisky, and whose fault is it if things go wrong, and who gets the credit if things go right? And so now that we're seeing mm. Trubisky play at a high level again, kind of after having been benched and have this sort of, I don't know if revelation's quite the right word, but a little bit of a refocusing and a, a better perspective on where he is in his career, playing at a high level, there's this feeling in Chicago from some big Mitch Trubisky fans that are, are sort of saying, see... He is a good quarterback, and this does work. And it's not now the difference is that the Bears have finally put him in that position to be successful. And I think that's true to some extent. This this may be the best we have seen the Bears support Trubisky since like that 2018 season when they went 12 and four. But again, we come back to that same question of like, isn't th- that this kind of feels like the ceiling is the high completion percentage at a lot of yards with a lot of it being easy quarterback decisions and yards after the catch and whether or not that's sustainable against better opponents and over the course of a longer stretch of time. And I, I certainly have my doubts about that and why I'm, I think Trubisky is still destined for another franchise next off season. Yeah. It sounds like the, the, the bears are supporting Mitch Trubisky in the same way you're supporting a, an overcooked bland steak by putting steak sauce on it. It's like, you're kind of hiding the problem, but I guess it works. Yeah. It's, it's like, he's the kind of quarterback you can win games with, but maybe not the kind of quarterback you want to have to start for all 16. Right, yeah. Maybe win games with, but maybe not because of. Exactly. Which is a concept we're pretty familiar with in Minnesota. But let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the defense. So where's the defense at right now? I know in the last matchup, uh, we, we lost Akeem Hicks for uh, almost half the game. That ended up to be being really, really impactful. So he's back. There's still Khalil Mack. He's still playing well. Still have good corners and everything. Jalen Johnson, I feel like I went into to last the last Bears game going, wow, Jalen Johnson, best rookie in the class. Uh, that probably isn't true uh, anymore. I think it might, it's probably A.J. Terrell, but is he still playing well or was he just kind of on uh, on a hot streak that has ended? I guess a, a little bit of both. Like he is still playing well, but he isn't playing as well as he was before. And actually last week he suffered an injury against the Houston Texans. And off the top of my head, I don't remember if it was shoulder or ankle or something like that, and he is going to be questionable to start this week. The Bears keep kind of calling him day-to-day, and I would imagine it may end up being sort of a game-time decision. We'll see as the week goes on. And then also at the same time, the slot cornerback, Buster Screen, is still mm-hmm. in the concussion protocol. And so it's oh. he, he did not play last week against Houston, and 
so it's been it's been. I think he suffered the concussion against Detroit, and so he missed a full week and is still in the protocol, leaving that very questionable to see if he's going to be able to play. So it may not be a full strength Bears secondary, which is a concern. They they are not the deepest in terms of experience. They have some young guys that they like, but not a lot of guys with NFL starts behind Kyle Fuller. So that's definitely a real concern for me, especially after how well Kirk Cousins seemed to be able to move the ball through the air against this Bears defense just a few weeks ago. The defense as a whole was really struggling towards the end of that losing streak. They seemed to find something against Houston, and they shut down Deshaun Watson in a way that I was more impressed with than I thought I would be on first watch. Like going back through, they were able to do a lot of things. Watson holds the ball too long, but they were still getting some good pressure. And having Akeem Hicks back from injury really brings a little bit more energy. He's kind of the heart and soul of the defense. As much as Khalil Mack is sort of like the big-time, highly-paid playmaker, Hicks is sort of the energy and the engine that keeps things going. So overall, I have a lot more confidence in this defense right now than I did three weeks ago when they were struggling a little bit more. But those injuries in the secondary, I think, are going to be critical if they end up having to start maybe a rookie fifth-round pick in the slot and maybe last year's sixth-round pick filling in on the outside for for Jalen Johnson because Buster Screen was kind of their fill-in outside cornerback. You know, he'd play he'd play in the slot, and if they yeah. had to pop him outside, he would be kind of their first option. So they may have to bring in somebody else, somebody off the practice squad to help at cornerback, and, and that's a real concern against Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, especially in the slot because that's that's where the, the Vikings like to put those guys to attack if you don't have, uh, you know, the, uh, Bryce Callahan, for for example, which is how the Bears were able to do Rest it. But I think it's, it probably comes down to pressure, right? It's Akeem Hicks, it's Khalil Mack. That's how you protect those corners. But that has as much to do with the Vikings as it does with the Bears. So let's flip it around in a little bit so we can start talking about kind of where those those matchups actually attack the Vikings or not. We all wish we could watch those matchups play out in Soldier Field, or I guess in this case, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota, in the stands in person. But unfortunately, we still aren't there yet as a society. But we can still make game day an exciting, full experience at home with an ice-cold Pepsi. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. It's the refreshment you need to power through and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. All right, welcome back into this crossover Thursday. Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears here with Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. And let me just get some of the crumminess or the chumminess out of the way now. It was a Freudian slip because I was going to say the, the Minnesota Vikings are crummy and they don't belong as the number two team in the NFC North and they are going to miss the playoffs. Does anybody? Because, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point because Kirk Cousins is terrible and. They're just Dalvin <laughs> Cook and a couple of good wide receivers, and you know that defense is overrated. And Mike Zimmer should have been fired weeks ago, even though they've won a bunch of games in the last like six weeks or anything. So get that out of the way. You, you went about two for five there, but that's a good. <laughs> the Vikings suck. We all understand. So I guess let me let me start with last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It kind of felt like the Vikings were cruising a little bit there. You know they beat the Packers after the bye week and kind of swept across the division there and then held on against the Panthers and went into overtime with the Jaguars. Tom Brady, come or they head into town to face Tom Brady, and things st- seem to fall apart a little bit more defensively against a, a Tom Brady offense that 
I think a lot of people have had some concerns about just how good they actually are and how good Brady is. I guess, I guess, let me start there. What is the state of this Vikings defense, and what sort of went wrong last week that seemed to be going well in the previous games? Yeah, I, I think with the, the game against Tampa Bay, nobody really blames the defense for that one. Um, I, I think they played admirably. They were set up with a few short fields because Dan Bailey missed a million kicks. Uh, and right now we are in a deep in a in a kick in, deeply embroiled in a kicker scandal. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, but yeah, the, so I, I don't think people blame the defense very much. I, I think we've had, they, they've basically been relying on two rookie corners for most of the season, Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney. Cameron Dantzler seems to have figured it out. He's playing out of his mind right now. Uh, and they've actually, they, I think they're on the cusp of asking him to shadow, which is a really, really big deal. That's a big graduation cap for, for Zimmer's defense. So he's really exciting, but they still don't really have much in the trenches. Their run defense has been suspect. Now they're looking to be without Eric Kendricks for a while after he suffered a calf injury and in warmups a couple weeks ago. Uh, they, they don't have Daniel Hunter or Barr like they thought they were going to before the season. I mean, we're, we're working on, on backups and people who barely made the team, and uh, they just haven't really been able to generate a lot of pressure. They blitzed, I think, seven times, and they generated three pressures on Tom Brady the entire game, blitz or otherwise. So it's been a really, really rough time getting to the quarterback, been a really rough time in, in run defense because they just don't have a lot of horses up front there. But their secondary has come along reasonably. It's still very young and prone to mistakes, uh, prone to you know biting on deception and stuff with crafty route runners. But I, I think right now I'm a, a little bit more worried about the front four than I am about the secondary, which is about the exact opposite place that I was in, you know, weeks one and two. And and the exact opposite of what we were just talking about with the Bears, where we're feeling more comfortable yeah. in, in that direction. That and that'll be some interesting matchups, I think, with when it comes to strength and weaknesses too, because you know, it feels like the Bears have been able to finally get their running game going a little bit more. You mentioned the Vikings struggling in that area. Is it do you think it's more you know, specifically the defensive linemen and, and not being able to occupy blocks for the linebackers behind them? Or is it when the secondary comes down to make those plays, I mean, are they able to fill in that way? Or, or what's been sort of the diagnosis of the Vikings run defense? My best uh, analysis of it is that it's kind of a conscious choice they're making to kind of issue run defense a little bit to help out the secondary because they are still very young and they've still got backups playing there and stuff. Um, but basically they have... Uh, they've, they've been running a lot of two high shells, cover two, and that takes the safety out of the box because you need those those two guys high, which then means very often that you end up outgapped or meaning you don't have enough defenders to cover all the gaps and all a running back has to do is figure out which one is uncovered. You have to ask linebackers to kind of cover two gaps to two gap. They don't have defensive linemen that could do that. You know, in the past, they would have like Linval Joseph who they could, you know, the Bears could just ask Akeem Hicks to cover two gaps. That's easy for him, right? Um, so that they don't really have that, like Jaleel Johnson can't two gap. So they've been asking their linebackers to two gap. And with Eric Hendricks, that was working out. Okay. Eric Wilson is getting better at it, but is still pretty suspect. And now they have Todd Davis, a kind of discarded starter from the Broncos who's filling in for Eric Hendricks. And like, none of these guys can really successfully two gap that well. So now you're asking, you know, your, your slot corner, Jeff Gladney has been a great run support corner, but you're asking him to essentially beat a block, get in from the slot, make sure you don't, don't overcommit to this because you still have have to cover that wide receiver so you have to diagnose the play and then you know go go cover a guy it's like this crazy assignment you're, you're basically asking you have to ask 
ask someone to do something that's way harder than they're capable of doing. And uh, it's all kind of a ripple effect from we don't really trust a, a lot of our corners one on one, except for Cameron Dantzler, who they've been trusting a little more. But we don't really trust our corners one on one. So we have to, you know, kind of move a safety back to, to cover for that. And now essentially somebody has to cover up that gap and nobody's really capable of doing it because nobody on the def- on the defensive front line right now was actually intended to start. What about the other side in terms of the trenches, the guys up front on the offensive line? It seems like. Uh, again, oh a kind of a, a group of younger guys, and you know, you just talked about defense guys that weren't really intended to start. I think there there was more of an intention for some of these younger offensive linemen, but more of an understanding that there's a there's always going to be some ups and downs along the way. It seems like there's been progress, but I guess how would you how would you mark that progress when you know both in, in the running game and in pass protection? Uh, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I think Bradbury Bradbury had a solid start to the season. He's kind of been. Uh, falling by the wayside a little bit. I think he's been playing like kind of average-ish, but inconsistent. Brian O'Neill at right tackle has been having a pretty rough season. He actually stood up to Khalil Mack pretty well in, in previous matchups, um, but he hasn't had a great season. Riley Reef is having an, a, a fantastic season, uh, maybe earning an extension for himself, but the guards is where the problem really is. Dakota Dozier, intended starter Dakota Dozier, that was a mistake. He's been abysmal. Uh, Ezra Cleveland right now is a left tackle playing right guard and a rookie that didn't have a preseason. That's going how you would expect. Uh, so it's it's this really, really big problem. And they really struggle with stunts, which is kind of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were able to generate, I think, 27 pressures <laughs> against the Vikings on like 48 dropbacks or something like that. Like just this ridiculous rate of pressure. Almost half of Kirk Cousins' snaps were pressured. Part of that was uh, blitzes that were undiagnosed, so they didn't adjust their protection right. But a big part of that was just a four-man rush with a twist in it, and the Vikings would collapse. So if, if you're the Bears, you know, if you're uh, uh, Chuck Pagano trying to figure out how to how to run, how to get pressure against this defense, I would say just don't blitz, rush four, do a stunt, and you can drop seven into coverage comfortably every single play. And the Vikings will just kind of bumble and stumble over themselves, and suddenly you'll find yourself with five sacks. Well, I I take complete pleasure in informing you that that has been their pass rushing plan week in and week out. Has been a lot of stunts against every opponent, and they blitz on third downs and they play man coverage behind it. But other than that, it is stunt, 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 and it has worked very well and worked very well against the Houston Texans last week. So enjoy that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big factor in this one. <laughs> and I think that's that's what I think is fun about this is like you've got the big factor of the Bears defense being able to stunt and get pressure with that offensive line, but then also the Vikings receivers being able to attack the slot in the middle of the field where the Bears have mm-hmm. absolutely been their weakest. So I guess to, to wrap up with that, uh, which, which weakness versus strength wins out, in, in your opinion? I mean, it's going to be a different Bears team than we saw, what, four or five weeks ago when they played last time, but I don't know that it's going to be like a drastically different team, but then the Vikings kicker issues are also in here. I guess where's your level of confidence in Minnesota as compared to what you know about the bears? I mean, my level of confidence in Minnesota is just in the pits right now, just because (laughs) that loss was so frustrating. Um, but I'll, I'll try to be more objective about it. So I think what the Vikings will probably do is you kind of will back off of one advantage to make sure the disadvantage doesn't kill you, right? So you you have, uh, you have can line up Justin Jefferson in the slot. That's a great mismatch, but you can't have him run a long developing route because you'll just take a sack. So you'll just have to throw a little bit shorter. So maybe they dial back the uh, the depth of target a little bit so that you, you don't just die to your offensive line. That's a really unfortunate thing to have to do, but I don't really think they have a choice right now unless they can fix the way that they, they play against stunts, which they, it, 
it's pretty unreasonable that they're this bad against stunts in the first place, especially considering they have four of five intended starters on that offensive line right now. It's been a relatively healthy unit. It just stinks. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think this would be a toss up game for me. They're both six and seven teams. They both have a litany of issues. They've both been really disorganized. Uh, and so I guess I would just default to the home team. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that, uh, I have much confidence at all in this game. I don't have a great sense for how this one's going to go. And I definitely think that there's a path where we go, well, you know, the bears sacked Kirk cousins seven times and one by 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, I think, as unpredictable of a, a Bears-Vikings matchup as we've seen so far, because I don't think, I, st- I just think we still don't really know what these two teams exactly are, or how good these two teams are, and we're 14 weeks into the season. So, a lot to learn on Sunday, it'll be a fun matchup, and Luca, I appreciate you taking the time, and a fun crossover as always, we still ended up being far too chummy. <laughs> yeah, and I, I will say too, the, uh, the the Vegas agrees with us. They have no idea who the better team is, so they're just going with the three point. That's the bet online line is just Vikings minus three. Uh, they're they're just going with the three point home field advantage and saying we don't we don't know what to make of these teams either. <laughs> well, I should I, we what? should both be here saying that the other team is terrible and that the Bears are clearly the better team and the Bears are going to take the playoff <laughs> spot for is. the Vikings because they've got the better coach and. You know, they figured out Mitch Trubisky and they figured out the offensive line and their defense is elite. And that's what's going to happen in this game. And you can tell me all about how the Vikings weapons are going to be too much for this Bears defense to handle. And this Vikings enjoy some record breaking performances by Justin. We need better teams. So we actually have something to fight with. Well, this Viking secondary is going to shut down Allen Robinson and Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) There it is. Oh, Cameron Dantzler versus Allen Robinson. I'm calling the upset. Legit. I think Dantzler can handle it. I don't know, man. Allen Robinson is hot. He's the only receiver Trubisky would throw to beyond 10 yards down the field. That's where he's going to be trying to go. But it's going to be fun. Watch what he did against Mike Evans. He actually handled Mike Evans really, really well. And I feel like Allen Robinson's a reasonably similar styled receiver. And it's not like Mike Evans is any slouch, right? Like, I think Dancer <laughs> can handle it. That's my hot take. Take I, that to Bears Twitter and they can fight me about it. I, I do love the hold me closer Cameron Dantzler Twitter meme nickname for Tiny Dancer <laughs> exactly. is Tiny phenomenal. Jalen Johnson has nothing on that. I'll give you that. He's uh, He's been wearing a uh, little like reindeer at, uh, outfits because, you know, Prancer and Dantzler. Oh, God. <laughs> you would never get that in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that is like some deeply like Nordic Minnesota stuff. Oh, God. That's, that's the Vikings for you right there in a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Funnier than they are good. <laughs> Thanks again to Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure that you subscribe to Locked On Bears to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. On tomorrow's podcast, we're going to put together a game plan for the Chicago Bears to beat the Minnesota Vikings, remain in the playoff hunt, and start a winning streak as opposed to the losing streak that we got so sick of. So make sure you come back for that. We're going to figure out how to slow down Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, shut down Dalvin Cook, and keep Mitch Trubisky and this Bears offense rolling against the Vikings defense that, as we heard, has some weaknesses. So a lot to go through tomorrow, a lot we can learn from that and see what we can do on Sunday. Then, of course, Monday we will break down everything that happens in the game and get you rolling all the way into the next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I hope you'll keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears because it's the best way five days a week to bear down.